Yes, I, uh, I'm on week three, three and a half of double knee surgery recovery, so I, I am walking around a little bit like the Tin Man. I don't know, the Lieutenant Dan comment though, it sounds to me like someone has a little beard envy. I don't know. Um, we'll let it slide today. <laughs> we only talk about him when he's out of the room, so. No, uh, all, in all seriousness, this, uh, though, if, um, if you haven't met, if we haven't met, my name is Cameron. Uh, I'm the executive pastor here at Conduit. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to share the word once in a while. So, uh, yeah, we're in this series called No Ordinary Family. Um, and um, what a title, because I guess maybe we should start out like this. Why don't you, um, let's raise your hand if you consider your family, a serious question, if you consider your family to be ordinary. Yeah, so, so there's, it's a, we, we have these phrases like, oh, I'm, I come from an ordinary family, or a normal family, or a, 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 a traditional family. And when you say things like, when you use the word like ordinary or normal, you know, there's that, there's that saying about life that the only thing in life that's normal is the setting on your dryer, right, on your on your washing machine because there's there's really nothing there's really nothing about life that is is normal um, and and God's family when we're talking about no ordinary family this this series is not necessarily about your like your individual family like the family that you live in your home with it's about it's about this family it's about the family that's represented in this room it's about the family that's represented in the relationships that we have with people who share faith in Jesus Christ, right? Who, who where if you were to fly halfway across the world and walk into a Christian church there, you would, you would greet those who are there as brother and sister without having ever have met them or known of them before. Like, well, you, have a, you have a bond with them through your faith in Jesus Christ that, that transcends the relationships even or expands upon the relationships that you have even with your family that lives in your own home. You see, the, the reality is, is that no one, almost no one will raise their hand and say that their family is ordinary. My family's not ordinary. And God's family is not ordinary. This family is not ordinary. And uh, because when we say ordinary, and when I ask you to raise your hand if you have an ordinary family, the reason that no one raises their hand, the reason that we usually shy far away from that, from that um, description is because we usually have something picturesque in mind, right? You have this, you have this frame, this, this framework of what an ordinary family looks like, of what a normal, normal family looks like. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, I have this, 
idea in my mind of what ordinary and normal is. And if I compare my family to that, it's definitely not ordinary. And so we automatically say that, nope, it's <laughs> my family is not ordinary. My family is not normal. And when we, when we talk about how our family here, the family of God, is not ordinary, we need to really think in some of the same, some of the same terms. I mean, think about it this way. You know, I don't know why or what the circumstances are or were that brings every individual person into this room today. You may be here for totally different reasons than the person sitting next to you, and that is, that is great. There's no, there's no judgment about that at all. But maybe a lot of us, um, a lot of us come into this family, into the, into the family of God, into, into the church. Uh, we, come, we come into this family on the heels of some of life's greatest pain. On the heels of some of life's greatest questions. The reason that you may be here this morning may not be because you woke up on a Sunday morning and were just super excited to come to church. Maybe it's because you woke up with a pain in your soul that you could not describe. And the only place that you know to get a little bit of relief is to come and be around other people that are kind of like you and kind of not like you and believe like you and are seeking God like you. And that's not ordinary, right? The, the ordinary or picturesque way that we would think about this family of God is that we all wake up on Sunday morning super Christian style, right? Quoting scripture from the moment that we get up, we're not fighting with our spouse, we're not frustrated at the kids, we're not kicking the dog, we're not swearing at the person who cut us off on the way here, right? We're just like, man, so excited to go worship God with my brothers and sisters. How are you this morning, brother? Oh, I'm great. How has your week been? It's been amazing. It's been fantastic. Could not have gone better, right? And that's just... It's crap. Because <laughs> it ain't true. And so maybe part of the goal, like, like maybe part of the process is redefining what it means to be ordinary. Redefining what it means to be real. Understanding that the family that we find ourselves a part of, it's okay to say, yeah, it's not good this week. It's not good. It's not okay. And you realize, you realize how rare, how rare blunt honesty is when you get surprised when someone actually, actually answers you honestly. Hey man, how you doing? Horrible. That escalated quickly. Did not expect that. Right? Right? Am I, am I right, though? Right? Like, like you, you begin to realize how unordinary it is to admit that you're not ordinary. Uh, but I got to 
be honest with you, sometimes that's what keeps us here. Keeps us here, rooted in the family, rooted in the church, is the search, the desire for some kind of rootedness, for some kind of ordinary, for some kind of stability in an unstable world. To be able to link arms with people around us and say, we can, we're going to be we're going to be not ordinary together. We're going to be not necessarily stable together. And, and, and just think about the way, right? Think about the incredible, amazing way that God can build a family of people who have come from dozens and dozens of different backgrounds, for dozens and dozens of different reasons, and, and, and not having any idea of why you came today. And God, God, through his providence and through his grace and in the power of his spirit, links us all together and makes us no ordinary family. So unordinary that you would actually, you, you should actually classify or categorize the, this group of people as extraordinary, right? Extraordinary. Outside of the realm of what it means to be ordinary or normal, it's miraculous how God keeps us together, welds us together. When, when everything about life, and everything about human relationships, and, and everything about the world just like wants to spread us apart. Um, Jesus, Jesus is sometimes um, criticized for having a low view of his familial family. His mother's, or his mother, his brothers, you know, his, um, the, his actual family. Now there's this, these passages of scripture in the gospel. Um, we're going to read one of them. In fact, if you have your scripture, take it out and open it to Matthew chapter 12. This is an interesting little passage here because you kind of like turn your head sideways at Jesus. It doesn't seem like a very Jesus-like thing to say. Verse, Matthew 12, verse 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother, your brothers, they're standing outside wanting, wanting to speak with you. He replied to, him, replied to them, uh, who, who is my mother? Who, who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. 
or whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, if you would take that at face value, you would say, well, um, Jesus may be being a little bit uh, disrespectful, right? Maybe having a, a poor view, um, having a poor view of his family. Like, why wouldn't he... Why wouldn't he drop everything? Why wouldn't he answer the request of his, of his family to, to go out and, and see him? And, and Jesus is often criticized for, for, um, for, for just like kind of casting, casting to the side his familial relationships for like being a type A workaholic on his mission, on his ministry. And, and, and I think that's an unfair classification. I don't, I don't think Jesus was intentionally saying, you know, hey, um, Mary, um, uh, you don't matter to me anymore. Or my brother's like, nah, I ain't got time for you. I don't think it was anything like that at all. I think what, what Jesus was seeking to do, what he was endeavoring to do, was to simply um, make the case or make the statement that that family was was, could be and was being expanded beyond the relationship that you have with those who are, like, blood or physically related to you. Because when we come together here, right, and um, I shake your hand and say, hey, brother, how are you? Sister, it's good to see you this morning. How are you? And I, I use those familial-like terms... The scripture doesn't use them, um, doesn't, doesn't use them without like being intentional about the fact that when we are in relationship with each other because of our faith in Jesus Christ, that the bonds that we have with each other are, are deeply familial in nature. That, that extends deep down into the roots of what it means to be related with each other. That, that being family to someone is a much more profound thing than simply having or sharing the same DNA with them or being married to them. <coughs> perhaps, um, perhaps what is most profound, perhaps what is most profound about the about the family as it pertains to our relationships with each other and our relationship with God is what the writer uh, of the Gospel of John says in the first chapter. If you turn to, with, uh, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, John here was um, introducing his readers to the ministry of Jesus, uh, to the incarnation of Jesus, God becoming, uh, taking on flesh. And he says in John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, he says, Yet to all who received him, Speaking of Jesus, yet to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in the name of Jesus, he gave the right 
to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Yet to all who received them, him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Listen, he said, I don't know the circumstances under which you are here this morning, where you've come from, what, what you've dealt with, what has brought you here, what has kept you here, what will make you come back in the future. Um, but if you this morning are here uh, without a family, if you are here without a family, if you, if you feel like there is... There is literally no place where I feel at home. There is no place where I am accepted. There are, there are no people who I call, who I feel like I can really call my own. There are no people in my corner. I am, I am alone. Listen. God wants you to be a part of his family. God wants you in his family. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he has given the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of husband's will, but born of God. God wants you in his family. God wants to uh, redefine. He wants to expand what family is in your mind. He wants to take the idea of what it means to be a part of an ordinary family, to just have a normal life, to have a group of people that you share Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the fun events of life with. And he wants to completely redefine that. And he says, I will be your father. I will surround you with brothers and sisters. And just because they don't share your DNA does not make any difference at all. Because even in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus began to expand the idea of what it means to have people. To have brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. God God wants to adopt you. God wants to adopt you. Now, uh, some of you know, some of you know me and my family. Um, some of you don't. I, I'm not, not always aware, or you care. I don't, I don't know. But um, <laughs> um, 
Uh, this, uh, I want to show you a picture of my family. This was taken on, um, this was taken on Easter Sunday. Okay, oh, there they go. Hey, there they are. Um, so I'm the guy with the beard. Um, and on the left is my oldest son, Noah. And uh, sitting on my, uh, my lap is uh, my foster son, Dante. And then Hannah is in the middle. Uh, my wife, Sherry. And my youngest daughter, Olive. And my oldest daughter, Abigail, um, on the end. And, um, and, and that is, that is, um, and I'm not uh, really an, I wouldn't consider myself to be an expert on much in life. Um, but I, I would be willing to say that, uh, that this idea of building a family in a uh, not so ordinary, no ordinary family type of way, uh, is an area um, of expertise <laughs> for me, for my wife. Um, we, have fi- we have five kids here. Um, they, uh, none of them are biologically ours. We've, uh, we've adopted four of them. Noah, Hannah, Olive, and Abigail are all, have all been adopted. And um, uh, Dante, who is sitting on my lap, is a, uh, a foster child that we, uh, by God's grace hope to adopt um, someday as well. And so, when you talk about what it means to create a family, what it means to become a part of a family, what it means to, um, to be accepted into a family when you feel like you don't have a family of your own. I get that. I'm in that. Like, I'm a, I'm a part of that. I, 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 I understand that. I understand, I understand the voices. Uh, I understand the voice in your head, the lie, the enemy that says, I'm not really worthy of being God's child. I'm not really worthy of being in his family. I don't really, okay, God wants to adopt me, but... I don't know if he wants to adopt a troubled kid like me. I don't, I don't know if he is uh, completely aware of all of the issues that I have, all of the baggage that I bring, all of the difficulty that I may bring into his life. And you know, um, I get that too. And I tell you what, um, even, even in my my heart, right? My wife's heart. Our, our deepest desire was to give children who had no family a place to be safe, a, a, a place to be loved, a place to grow um, in the knowledge and grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? We, we, we wanted all of those things for those kids, right? And, and we were aware of, of the pain that they may bring into our lives because of their baggage or their, their background. That, that fact was not lost on us. And even I, in the wickedness and sinfulness of my own heart, was able to say, you know what, I don't care about that, right? 
I, I, I don't care. They, 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 their, their souls are a vacuum chamber of love that we intend to fill and so that we're going to do that. And listen, if, if in the darkness and sinfulness of my own heart, I come to that place. Right? The God who says, you will be my child. I will take you into my family. I will give you I will give you the place of honor at the table. I will put the ring on your finger. I will give you the brand new clothes. I will, I will prepare a feast for you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what road you've walked, on, walked down. It doesn't matter what decisions that you have made. I will adopt you. I will be your father. You will be my child. And Everything I have, I will give to you. Listen, if I can do it in the wickedness and darkness of my own heart, please believe by faith the desire of the Father to adopt you into his family. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to share some other photos with you here in, the mo in, in just a minute, but... This is um, probably, this is a birth certificate, okay? Um, this is, happens to be for our middle daughter, Hannah, the one in the middle there. Um, for our middle daughter, Hannah, okay? And Hannah came to us when she was 12, about 12 weeks old. And um, she had some health issues. And... Um, we, we fostered her uh, for a while, and then we're given the opportunity um, to adopt her. Um, and this is a, such a symbolic document for us, her birth certificate. And there's a few reasons why it's symbolic. Well, I think for, for every parent to have, to hold in their hands the birth certificate of their child, it kind of reminds them of that moment of birth, right? All of the memories come flooding back of seeing their child for the first time. And we, we didn't have any of that. Like, we, we weren't there or, or anything. But when we adopted Hannah, um, I think there's a, we adopted her and her older sister Abigail together. There should be a picture of us there on adoption day. Yep, there's uh, one of the pictures in the courtroom. Um, when we adopted the girls, um, something interesting happened that we didn't really know was going to happen is um, that we, we received and were issued um, new birth certificates for the girls. And there's a couple of details on those birth certificates that kind of surprised us. And, and the first the first detail was that when you um, when you go down to the um, when you go down to the section where it lists um, this is the birth certificate when it lists her mother and when it lists her father it lists my name and Sherry's name that the 
that the document certifying who Hannah is, when she came into this world, who she belongs to, stated states that her adoptive parents, those who welcomed her into their home, they are her mother. They are her father. You see, understand something. I don't, I don't intend to, nor do I ever want to stand up here and presume the raw, black, and white nature of how my family in particular was formed. It is so messy, and it is so muddy, and it is not lost on my wife and I at all that some of the greatest joys of our life have come at the hands of some other people's greatest pain. Like, we, we wrestle with that regularly. And it's not something that's lost on us. And so I don't speak about it lightly, all right? I, I don't speak about it flippantly. And I, I, I wrestle with it in way more of a nuanced way that I could possibly describe here in the next few minutes, okay? So please, please know my heart and understand that as I say these next few things, okay? Um... There's something significant about what this says and about what this means. You see, Hannah is no longer known. All four of my kids who have been adopted, they are, they are no longer known by who had them in the past. They are, they are, they are, they are no longer owned by that past. It no, longer, it no longer possesses them. If anyone were to look at the, the legal record of their lives, it would only go back so far as to say there was a moment where they were adopted and Cameron and Sherry are their is, is their mother and their father. Now understand something. The life before that, the life before that moment of adoption is legally sealed in court. I mean, you, could, you couldn't go and open the records if you wanted to. It's as, it's as good as if there is no record beyond the moment of adoption. And when, and when you... When you call and believe on the name of Jesus and receive the right that he has given you to become a child of God, at that very moment, the life that you had before your adoption is sealed, it is shut, it is put in the locked cabinet, and it cannot be accessed anymore. You are, you, you, your place of origin, the, the people who gave birth to you is, is changed.
changed. Right? No longer are you known by, by what happened before the adoption. Now you are known by your new father. I have a new father. And I can prove it to you. Adopted. Mother, father. When you come into his family, the past, the past is no more than a memory. It is, is a part of your story, but it no longer defines your future. Because your future has been rerouted into a new identity that he gives you as his child. The other profound and interesting thing that happens on here is that you do know Hannah's name was not Hannah. Because we're her mother and her father now. And because when you have a child, you are given the right to what? Name them whatever you want. Or rename them. To give them a new identity. Because... Because she now is a new person. And so her birth certificate lists not her, not her name given at her biological birth, but her name given to her at her adoptive birth. And when, and when God adopts you into his family, he renames you. He renames you because your, your name is so wrapped up into your identity. Your name is so wrapped up into your future, right? That from that point moving on forward, life is completely different. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses, verse 17... It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. When you are in Christ and in the family of God, life is new. Now, I'm going to close with this um, this morning. And it says, can, I bring, can you bring back up that picture of my family, the full family? There's one little guy sitting on my lap here. Um, and if you heard me call him Dante, you might not know who I'm calling, or who I'm referring to him, because his nickname is Wampy, and um, that's kind of how everyone knows him. Um, and he's our foster son, and we've 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 had him in our in our family since uh, the day he was born. He came to the hospital or fr- home from the hospital to us, but he's not my son. But he is my son. Right? He's still a foster child. We have not yet um, we have not yet adopted him, right? But if you if you ask me how many kids do you have, I don't say four, right? I say five, because I have five kids, right? And one of them like it's not like it's not done yet. It's not the it's not sealed yet, right? The it ha- the future hasn't started yet, right? Um, but he's no less my son. He is he is no less 
than a man, that, that, that one that God has entrusted to my wife and I to love and to raise and to be Jesus to and to incarnate the gospel to as long as we have him around. And we're trusting that God would make him a part of our family uh, for a long, for, forever. But that moment hasn't been finalized yet. And for us, we, when we are adopted by God, there, there is a moment of finalization, right? There, there, there is this moment where we are, we are not in limbo, where, where the, the pictures that you see in the courtroom, this, this courtroom moment of stamping it and sealing it, where, the, where you get the raised seal, right, on your birth certificate, stating that, that the future begins now, is that moment of baptism. For this family, for this no ordinary family, the moment of finalization of your adoption into the family, where you go from being like a, a child of God, but not a, like where it's finalized, is the moment where you stand before the whole family. You stand in that courtroom, right? You know, bring up the courtroom pictures again. You stand in that courtroom. You stand with that judge, right? You say, <clears throat> look, it is finished. This is my youngest daughter, Olive, that we adopted in uh, December. It's that moment in, uh, in the courtroom where the judge where the judge hits the gavel and says, it is, it is as if this child was born biologically to you. They have every right. They have every, every right to all inheritance. Um, you are completely and 100% fully, without any doubt, responsible for every aspect of their life. From here on out, it is finished. Boom. That is the moment where you rise up out of the baptismal waters and say, the gavel is hit. You are God's everything, right? Everything that is due you as a son, as a daughter of God, it is yours now. He, you get his inheritance. You are an heir of him. You get his spirit. You get the fullness of all that he is. And so next week when we celebrate these when we celebrate baptisms, we're, we're, we're joining together in the courtroom of God to put the finalization stamp on your adoption into his family. That is what it is. There is no, there is no half sonship. It's full. would like to tell you more about my family, and, and God willing, we'll get the chance. Um, as we grow together uh, as a family. Listen, God welcomes you into his family. God wants you as a part of his family. God receives you as a part of his family. He wants to adopt you as part of his family. Put that seal of approval, put that seal of finalization so that your life before him is sealed and put away 
and that your life with him begins with a new identity. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, this morning, we thank you for an opportunity, Lord, to hear from your word, to be in your word. Lord, we desire to be in your family. Lord, the family is not ordinary. We understand that. It is not built by traditional means, Lord. It is not built by any act of man or a husband's will, as it says in your gospel. But it is born of God. Lord, this family, this family that you have called together this morning, has not been built, Lord, by any... Um, any, the will of any person, Lord, but that you have brought us together as children unto you. You are our father. These are our brothers and our sisters, Lord. Lord, and in your family, we will find and can find complete acceptance. Lord, we pray that those struggling to find acceptance this morning struggling to find a family of their own, would find it in your family. In Jesus' name we pray.